0: Awesome. Love the stories. Love them. Well, my name is Randy, and uh, it's great to have you with us today. Uh, again, I want to welcome you to our church if you're a guest here. Uh, it's good to be together. We're in a study we've been in for several weeks now. Uh, we're studying the book of Ephesians, and uh, we're kind of looking at it, though, in the context of identity, who we are in Christ. And uh, we just talked about the fact that we may find ourselves in a lot of things, but it's only in Christ that we truly find the person that God has called us to be. And so I'm glad you're here, here today. We are today going to be talking about the topic is I am forgiven. You know, every time I think about this uh, topic, I, my mind goes back to some years that I spent in Indiana. I did 10 and a half years of mission work in the foreign country of Indiana. And uh, God delivered me and brought me back to his own land. Uh, so I'm grateful for that very much. But at any rate, uh, we, we lived there in Indiana. And when I got there, uh, they raised, there was a farming community, but they raised a lot of corn and a lot of hogs, hogs everywhere. And I mean like thousands of hogs in one place. And so you can imagine with all the hogs, there was a result. There was a, something that came from that. Let's put it that way. And so they had to disperse that. And what they would do, they would water it down and they would, uh, they would spread it. They called it honey. For lack of a better term, it was called honey. And so they would spread honey on the fields as fertilizer, and uh, they would uh, do that sometime on top of the ground, sometime they put it in the ground, but it was pretty disgusting. I tell you that, not because it's disgusting, but I tell you uh, because that set up a scenario where I saw the issue of of unforgiveness so clearly. There were two farmers that lived side by side, and uh, and those farmers, one of them I think was mostly grain, the other was a hog farmer, and the grain farmer's daughter... uh, Contract, got cancer, and so she was very ill, but, but one day, the other neighbor, the one who grew all the hogs, he was spreading honey on the field next to the house, and, his, and the, the grain farmer's daughter got sick and threw up, and ultimately, she died, not from throwing up, but just from the cancer, but that point became an issue between those two farmers that never, ever ended for the rest of their lives. The rest of their lives, the, the grain farmer sold out, moved to town, but his life, he and his wife's lives were defined by bitterness and unforgiveness. It was their identity. I mean, I despised having to go visit them. They were elderly people. I hated to go visit them because we had to cover that issue every single time. And the, in, the bitterness and the, the unforgiveness, both couples came to our church, so we dealt with it on a regular basis. But it was everything in life was viewed through that bitterness, and it just spread like cancer. And ultimately, in their miserableness, they both died within a month or two of each other. It was amazing uh, how, how it just controlled their lives. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen unforgiveness in that deep uh, a context before, but, uh, but it's out there, and maybe you've experienced some of that to some extent. Maybe not that extreme, but you have probably, all of us have probably had a case of unforgiveness or bitterness To some point, some level. Maybe in your life that's something that you're dealing with right now, that maybe your life isn't defined by it, but there is a place that you can go very quickly and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Let me give you some characteristics of people who struggle with unforgiveness or bitterness. Uh, For one thing, they're archeologists. Now I say that because they're always digging up the past, they're always looking at the past like the guy who was talking to a friend. He said, I want to tell you, my wife, every time I do something wrong, my wife gets historical. And his friend said, you mean hysterical? He said, no, historical. She goes back and brings up everything I've ever done, every mistake I've ever made in my life, you know? Maybe you're around someone like that, or maybe you are that person because you've got some unforgiveness. You're stuck, and you can't move forward. Also, bitter people people keep a record of wrongs. You know, you know what I mean? They have the intricate details of everything that ever happened when they were heard. The year, the month, the day of the week, the hour, what, when, where, everything. They revisit, they, they rethink, they re- recollect all the details, they play it back through their mind, what was said, what should have been said, what they should have said and done. You play those things back. Does that sound familiar to some of you? You're obsessed with details. By the way, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, love keeps no record of wrongs. So there's a problem, there's an issue there of of keeping those those things in mind. Bitter people are oftentimes triggered more by the expectation of the offender than they are by the offense. Triggered more by the expectation of that person who offended them than they are of what actually happened. So if a a stranger offends you, you let it go. But if someone that you love or you expected to love you and respect you, uh, if they hurt you, it can be devastating. For example, family or friends or um, maybe neighbors or coworkers, or church members, your pastor, uh, God, if anyone offends you at any point, you expected more and you're hurt deeply. And there's one more characteristic, that bitter people are prone to be self-righteous because they perceive themselves as a victim. You're a victim of these people who have hurt you. They never think about their own mistakes. They never think about their own faults. They're very judgmental of everybody else and proud and critical. Now, unforgiveness is a huge problem in our world today, and not only in the world, but in the church as well. And you might say, but there are some reasons that I can be bitter, right? Aren't there some things that were so big that, that are, it's almost justifiable, you know? Well, we can justify anything in our lives, but, but we have to ask ourselves the question, if we have a wrong or perceived wrong, we have to ask ourselves some questions, why, do, why am I bitter? And there are some wrong, invalid reasons that people get bitter. So let me tell you some of those. Maybe these sound familiar. Maybe you wrongly think someone has sinned against you. Maybe you erroneously, you got the facts wrong. We think we know all the facts, right? But things not always as they appear. And we are really good at making things up or filling in the blanks or adding to the wrong to make it even more clear in our mind and even more intentional and even harder on us, right? Maybe you have unrealistic expectations that are unmet. In other words, you expect somebody to say something or do something, and they didn't get the memo. They didn't know they were supposed to say that, because maybe it was a guy, and he didn't have a clue what he was supposed to say, you know what I mean? But but you're hurt, or you're angry, or you're slighted because of that, and they probably don't even know. They've hurt you deeply, and they just act normal because they don't know what you expected of them, and they just didn't do it. You know, I heard this a long time ago, and and I believe it uh, very clearly. Expectations destroy relationships. Expectations destroy relationships. If you expect something from somebody and they don't even know it or they don't do it, it can destroy your relationship. So, So lower your expectations of people and be realistic. Maybe here's another thing that, that you were wrongly offended by. Someone spoke the truth, but you were hard-hearted. Somebody spoke the truth, but you didn't take it very well. You know, sometimes we have to be honest with people, and sometimes we have to speak hard truths that can hurt. I think part of that sometimes is that we might need to confront sin in our life. None of us want to be confronted in our wrong, do we? But the Bible does talk about a preventative type of of confrontation where you see sin in someone's life and you think you have the relationship with them and you do it with love, but it isn't always taken that way. Another reason I think that people are offended that's invalid is that that maybe you're jealous of them. We hear about sibling rivalry all the time, conflict within siblings that, that they just never get past, maybe jealousy over somebody else's success, or some change in their life that you didn't get, you know, or or maybe envy over a relationship, financial success. The Bible talks about bitter, envy, selfish ambition. Maybe some of those things, if you were honest, you could say that that you're bitter about some of these reasons. Now, if you are, if those are some of the things that you honestly, in your heart of hearts, have to admit that you are bitter over, you need to do something. You need to repent. You You need to build a bridge and get over it, and move on. So when we're going to talk about unforgiveness, uh, any of those things that I covered there, you need to be honest about. And if those are things, you need to find healing, not only between you and them, but also between you and God. But there is a valid reason to deal with bitterness and unforgiveness. And that is because maybe you have truly been sinned against. You've truly been sinned against. And there are pretty good odds of that happening to be honest with you. It happens every day. So so we're not kind of saying this is an extreme case. It, It is pretty normal. Somebody says or does or fails to do something or say something that they should have done. And it's not just you that says it's wrong. Actually, it comes down to what God says is right and what's wrong. Now, here's the thing, though, but when you are sinned against, literally and realistic, legitimately sinned against, there are two ways that you can respond to that. Two ways. One of them is bitterness. The other other is forgiveness. And that's just like a fork in the road. You come to it, you're going to decide which way are you going to go. You're going to be bitter about it, or you are going to forgive that? And you alone have the power to decide which road you will take immediately. Immediately, you determine, how am I going to respond to this? Because a lot of us feel like, you know what, these people have done this to me, and they have made me what I am, but nobody makes you somebody. You let yourself become that. Nobody makes you bitter. You allow them to make you bitter. They're responsible for their sin, but you and I are responsible for our response. And perhaps, if it goes to this point, for our sin of unforgiveness and bitterness. Because here's the thing, guys. They didn't create the sin. The sin's already in us. It's our human nature. What they did is they gave us an opportunity, and they kind of exposed it, and all of a sudden, we allow it to go full-blown. Now, why is it such a big deal that we talk about this? Why is it such a big deal? If we were out in the secular world and trying to get this message, people would think you were crazy. Because to them, this is normal, you know? To the world, it's normal. If somebody gets you, you get them back. And not even the same level, get them more, you know? But why is it such a big deal to us today that we learn how to forgive? The reality is that all of us can get really defensive about the sin in our life, can't we? The Bible says unforgiveness is a sin, and we can get defensive about that, and we can say, well, God, you ought to understand. In fact, I've heard people say, you know, God's just going to have to overlook this sin in my life. Have you ever felt like that? I know, I know, I probably, but God's going to have to overlook. Really? God's going to give you a pass, and you, it's okay if you do this. That, that's pretty dangerous thinking right there, all right? Now, the reality is that we all have sin in our life. Sin is sin, right? And we all fall in the amazing grace of God. But in this particular area, there doesn't seem to be a lot of room for flexibility. God's pretty clear about this, and not not just in the, the Bible by someone like Paul, but specifically by Jesus. In Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to pull from there, Jesus said, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So to recap, if we forgive, we'll be forgiven. If we don't forgive, we will not be forgiven. Any questions? We could probably stop right there. I mean, that seems to be to cover everything, doesn't it? But that's hard. Those are hard words, especially when they come down to personal issues and personal hurts and things that we've struggled with, that we think, and we know, everybody agrees with us, we've been hurt deeply. Well, guys, that brings us to our scripture today in Ephesians chapter 4, which is where we're studying right now. So let's read it together, Ephesians 4. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness. Rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Now what you have to keep in mind is that this is the letter to the Ephesian church and to us and it is written to Christians. And so some of the things that we're going to say here, I really believe are only discerned through our relationship with God. These are not things that we're going to pull off by ourselves. These are things, we'll talk near the end about how we can do it, but these are things that every Christian has to do, and I think it comes from or springs from our personal relationship with Jesus that allows us the strength to be able to do these things, all right? So we're going to look at six things that Paul says, six commands for bitter believers, six commands that we have to be cautious about when we're tempted to not forgive someone or to be better. Number one, avoid gossip. Avoid gossip. He says, speak truthfully to your neighbor. You know, being hurt does not give you a pass to be able to say, now I'm hurt, I can gossip about whoever it was that hurt you. Because gossip is a sin under any circumstances. And I was thinking that today, there are more ways to gossip than there ever have been in our world today. You know, it used to be what? It used to be the phone, the old party line. You know, we've laughed about that. You know, when we were a kid, you know, the party line, you picked up the phone and no telling who was on it. You know, it was, first of all, it's connected to the wall, but also, you know, you don't know, your neighbor may have been listening, but there's a lot of gossip that passed on a party line, right? But, but today we have much more than that. I mean, we've got, obviously, face-to-face, but we've got text and email and Facebook and Twitter. And gossip goes wider and quicker than ever before. Ever before. You know, I joke about voices of Versailles all the time, but there's never been an easier way to destroy someone's reputation than social media. I mean, you just throw it out there and, and you're judged and condemned, you know, out there immediately. It's everywhere. But here's what Proverbs says. Proverbs chapter 26 says, Without wood a fire goes out, without a gossip a quarrel dies down. When you are building a fire, the fire will go out unless you keep throwing wood on it. And you keep piling the wood on it, and it just keeps burning. In fact, it gets hotter. So we need to be throwing water on the fire instead of putting wood on the fire. We want to put it out instead of feeding it. Gossip is horrible. Gossip is a destructive sin. Then you might say, well, I've been hurt genuinely, deeply. Can I not even talk about that? I need to talk. I need to vent about that. So who do you talk to? Well, talk to God about it. A few weeks ago, we talked about prayer, and we said that, that gossip is talking to people, but prayer is talking to God about your issue. So if you've got an issue, you need to be talking to God about that and asking him for some wisdom. You can talk to a mature friend or spiritual leader for counsel. If you need to know how you you respond and what you should do, find someone who's objective, someone who you know is spiritually discerning, and ask them for counsel. How do I deal with this? And then follow their advice. You you can talk to the person who offended you, if they are a believer. You know, I think this is important that that we don't do enough. We don't deal with, with, with proper confrontation anymore. In Matthew chapter 18, there's a model there about how to resolve conflict, and it says... If someone offends you, go to that brother or sister and confront them one-on-one. Just tell them what they did, and and hopefully they're humbled by that and they would respond. But then secondly, if that doesn't work, bring a couple of godly people with you and talk about the issue before you cut all your your, your ties and and just shut them out of your life. But here's the thing, it's best to be face-to-face with somebody, not not, uh, distant, not talking through somebody else. And, and if you can't do that, maybe a phone call or Skype might be, might be good. But never in a letter, never in an email or text or something like that. Because have you ever noticed how words can be really blunt when they don't have any inflection and you don't have, see any facial expression? You, don't, you can't explain them. You just throw them out there. And, uh, and all of a sudden, they, they can do more damage too. So here's the thing. If you are bitter with someone, don't gossip and make it worse. Don't pile it on the fire. You know, I see this a lot in relationships and families. You know, uh, you're talking here, you're talking there, and everybody's kind of throwing their ideas. And you know, and he said this, and he said that about me, and and all these things we hear just makes it worse. So control your tongue, speak truth with your neighbor. Secondly, guard your emotions, guard your emotions. In your anger, it says, "Do not sin." In your anger, do not sin. Anger is an emotion. But it's not a sinful emotion in and of itself. It's not, not a bad thing to get angry. In fact, at times you ought to get angry. The Bible says that God gets angry. He is an angry God at sin. Not only that, Jesus got angry. Remember when he cleared out the temple at least a couple times uh, because they were making it a, a place to buy and sell instead of worshiping God. Down through history, a lot of people have been moved to do some very important things uh, uh, because of righteous anger to oppose things like slavery and abortion and mothers against uh, drunk drivers, right? You know, mad. you got to get mad about some things. It's that kind of anger, though, that is constructive and not destructive or impulsive. The Bible says that God is slow to anger. God has a long wick. You know, it takes a lot to make Him angry. So even when we've been truly sinned against, we have to guard against any type of being overly emotional, or any type of retaliation in our anger, do not sin. And if we retaliate, then our sin is worse than theirs because it's premeditated sin. So understand that we have to be controlling about how we do. Have you ever noticed that when we retaliate, that it always ups the ante? It always makes it, you know, more intense. It, it's never less. We have to get them more than they got us and make sure it's worse than what they, how they offended us. Thirdly, watch your clock. Watch the clock. Paul says, do not let the sun go down on, while you're still angry. Now, in that day, they got up with the sun and they went to bed with the sun. So the sun was kind of their, their clock, if you will. Today, we don't really do that. But what he's saying, he's saying, do not let your anger drag on and on. And you know what? This is just what makes it so much worse in our lives, is that sometimes our anger doesn't have an end there's no time that we check out and we say, okay, I'm over that. You may need some time to process. You may need some time to truly forgive something, figure out how to approach the person or, or just let it go. But when it drags on for days and months and years and decades, it's like untreated cancer. It's like ignoring the problem and saying, oh, hey, maybe you'll get better. It normally doesn't get better. It gets worse. It grows and grows even bigger than it was to start with. So here, here's what I would encourage you to do. If this is something that you can let it go without a conversation because you don't, maybe the relationship is not there because you know it would make it worse. If you can let it go, then let it go. Let it go. Breathe in, breathe out, let it go. But if you know that you can and you should deal with it through that person, don't put it off. Don't just let it drag out indefinitely. Deal with the issue and don't let the fear of conflict paralyze you. Don't choose bitterness over healing. Sometimes we choose these things. And let's make sure that we're choosing to let it go. Fourthly, defend against your true enemy. Defend against the true enemy. Your hurt may have come from a person, from their lips, from their actions. But you know what? They're not the true source of your hurt and injury. Because all of us have a common enemy who's out to destroy us. It's the devil. And so Paul says, do not give the devil a foothold in your life. So there's a common enemy out there who uses hurt, unforgiveness, bitterness to tear us apart because Satan and his his demons, they hate God. They hate humanity and they especially hate people who want to follow Jesus. So if you're trying to follow Jesus, you're going to be really tempted, maybe right after you give your life to Christ, you're going to be tempted and maybe in this particular area. Satan's going to use any offense or perceived offense to cause chaos and conflict in your relationships, and he's especially happy when it's Christian against Christian, and when people see the church, you know, church people who can't forgive each other, who can't get past some issue. You know, it's not a coincidence whenever we get angry at other people, Satan is the one whispering in our ear and telling you they hurt you badly. You can't let that go, or you can't forgive them. He's always goading us on. You know, the Bible talks about the danger of letting the seed of bitterness be planted in our hearts and grow and develop a root of bitterness taking hold and that's the foothold that we're talking about for the devil. Because all the devil needs to start in your life is just a seed of bitterness and unforgiveness and before you know something else happens, the root grows and then a plant grows. I think we've got a picture up here on the screen that I want to show you. Uh, this was out right outside here and this is not a reminder to Recruit landscape people or anything, but, but we, have, we have some massive dandelions out there. And I was looking at that, and you know, those, those things that look like flowers but really are weeds in our life, that little bitty, I think there's some puffs there, uh, those little seeds that fly out, one little seed can go and, and, and go a long distance in the wind and hit the ground. And it can sprout, and when it does, it's a very long root. If you've ever tried to to cut off a dandelion, it doesn't work because the root is really deep. And you cut it off, and it grows right back. Cut it off, it grows right back. you got to dig it out deep, dig deep, and get rid of the root before you can get rid of the weed. And the same thing is true in our life. When we let a seed of bitterness grow in us, it goes deep and deep, and it gets roots into all sorts of things, our relationships, our joy, everything else. And we may think, oh, it's, you know, it's no big deal. It didn't hurt me. But the root is there, the root of bitterness, and we have to dig it out. We have to learn to forgive to get rid of that weed in our life or it can take over. Number five, control your hands. Control your hands, your actions. He says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but he must work always doing something useful with his own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. So he's talking here about our actions, what we do whenever we're hurt. Talked about stealing, but but the whole idea is that we need to be doing something productive. What do you do with your hands when you get angry? Punch a wall? Go punch a, a person out? Do you take it out on Other people, maybe innocent people around you, whenever we're hurt a lot of times, even if it's justifiable hurt, we can become destructive to ourselves or others. Like the people I talked about earlier, those folks who were bitter did not have any friends. They had no close friends. Why? Because nobody wanted to put up with them. They poisoned everybody around them, everybody they spoke to or talked to. Nobody wanted to say They were lonely people. It just added to their misery because of the way that they treated people, even innocent people. I felt beat up when I left their home because I had nothing to do with it all. But I just felt that it was toxic. It was horrible. So when you have a bitterness in your heart, your actions just cause this path of devastation around you. You tear something up. You tear into somebody. You grab a phone. You grab a gun. You declare war. And so Paul says, do something useful with your hands. Share with people who are in need. Maybe your anger needs to be directed toward trying to rectify the overall situation. We talked about the anger, the righteous anger that, that does good, not destruction. And then number six, guard your mouth. Guard your mouth. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So don't let any unwholesome talk come from your lips. Now, how do you know if it's unwholesome? Well, there's lies and gossip and and critical words and tearing people down, discouraging people on the sidelines, undermining a person or their influence, naming them, giving them a negative light, you know, always talking about them in a negative perspective. Those are ways that it's unwholesome. And so he says, get rid of all the bitterness all the rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. You know, I really believe that people who have this type of unforgiveness would love to be free from it. But unfortunately, they've allowed this to become their persona, their identity, if you will. And they don't feel like they can, can actually escape that. It, it's just controlling and consuming their entire lives. And so when when Paul says avoid that or get rid of that, all that bitterness, we have to ask the question, how do we do that? And I'll tell you that answer in just a moment. But instead, he tells us what to do. Instead of all that, be kind, be compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Instead of all that bitterness, he said, here's what I want you to do. Be kind and compassionate and learn to forgive people. Let it go. You know, forgiven people forgive others. Going back to what Jesus said, if we have been forgiven, then we have learned what it is, and we have learned how to extend it as well. Maybe the other person starts the fire. They set the kindling. They strike the match. They want the flames start devouring. What are you going to do? What are you going to put on the fire? Are you Are going to put more wood on it? Are you Are going to feed it, or are you going to put water on it and put it out? See, not only does feeding the fire not lead to healing and restoration, it also burns us both. It burns the offender, but it's also a sin against the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying. And that's how we can avoid bitterness. This is how, as Christians, this is why I said earlier, What he's going to talk to is about Christians who must draw upon their faith and their relationship with God. To do these things we talked about, not just anybody in the world can do it. Only those who have a relationship with God. And here's what he says at the end. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. This is where we get the strength and the ability to put the fire out instead of feeding it. It is by the power and through the power of the Holy Spirit who is in us. The Bible tells us that whenever we give our life to Christ and we truly confess Him and we are baptized, it says, for the forgiveness of sins and for the gift of the Holy Spirit, that God puts a part of Himself inside of us. And and He talks about we're sealed for the day of redemption. In other words, there's a deposit on us. Because the Spirit's in us, our lives are different. And through the Holy Spirit, we can draw from His power to be able to overlook, to let go, to forgive, to avoid bitterness. Because the Spirit is working within us. You know, through His Holy Spirit power, Jesus Christ endured so much at the hands of His enemies. But He never became bitter. Nowhere do you see in the Bible, even when He was opposed to strongest, even when He was being beaten and mocked, and even as He'd been crucified, He never see this spirit of bitterness coming out. You never see His unforgiveness, you know, saying, I'll get you one day. He just didn't do that. And He's given us that same spirit. Because we've been sealed for the day of redemption. The Spirit is within us. And with this help, you got this. You have the power to do this through Jesus Christ. You can let these things go. You cannot be offended. You can forgive one another. You can find peace. That burden can be lifted off of your heart. And the reason that you can do that is what he says. In Christ, God forgave you. And to be honest with you, that's kind of a summary of the gospel. That we had offended God. And God could have become bitter at us. He could have been judgmental and strike us dead. But instead, he showed grace. He showed grace and he gave his only son. That was his response to our sins. He doesn't attack us or strike back at us. He gave his only son to die on a cross to take away our sins so that we could experience forgiveness, be forgiven, and then extend forgiveness to other people. So this morning, I've got three questions for you. Number one, who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to forgive? In your heart of hearts, that person has come to mind immediately, I promise you. Maybe a phone call needs to be made. That person may not know that you even were upset with them. They may not even know. But if they do, can you imagine what a pleasant surprise? Maybe they're, If they're not a Christian, they don't even know how to deal with this, how to approach it. But imagine what a burden would be lifted off them if you were to call them up and just say, you know what, there's been something between us and I want to forgive you. I want to offer that. Now let me tell you, they may not be overjoyed. They may not come and give you a big hug. I don't know how they'll respond. They may just hang up on you, but that's okay because you have done your part. You have released that unforgiveness out of your heart. The second question is, who needs to forgive you? Who needs to forgive you? Maybe you need to go and ask someone for their forgiveness. Maybe you're that person who has caused this bitterness in someone else. And if, you, if that's true, you probably know that as well and who it is. And you need to call them up or go to them or whatever it is and say, look, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm asking for your forgiveness. That will ease the burden off of your heart as well. But here's the most important question. Have you been forgiven? Have you experienced his forgiveness? Have you laid your life down? And ask God for the forgiveness that he alone can give. That your sins will be taken away so that you are no longer bearing that burden. Because I will tell you that sin causes a distance between you and God. It breaks that relationship. And until that relationship is bridged by Jesus Christ, there, there can be no forgiveness. But once it is there, we have this passageway to come to God. We have this ability to approach Him and to be forgiven, not only for our past, but also for our ongoing, because we keep blowing it, don't we? We keep making mistakes, but we have to be in a relationship so that we can be in a constant state of being forgiven by God. So this morning, as we wrap up, let me just encourage you. Who do you need to forgive? Who needs to forgive you? But more importantly, have you experienced the forgiveness through Jesus Christ? If that is not true in your life, I would love to have a conversation with you. You can take that connection card that you have um, that you're going to turn in a little bit and just check. I want to talk to a minister and I'll give you a call and we'll talk about your next step. Let's pray together right now as we wrap up. Lord, God, thank you for today. God, there are a lot of topics in our life that are easy for us. I think this is one of the most difficult because of our human nature. God, I just want to ask for your help, for your presence. God, I pray that you would bring Um, our bitterness to heart and to mind because God sometimes it's buried deep within us it's so much of who we are that we may have even forgotten what a big impact it has on our life God would you just raise that up in us to help us deal with it in a a way that would honor you and God if there are people that we've offended can, can we have the courage to go and admit that to clear the air to clear our hearts our conscience before you But God, most importantly, we know that all that springs from and can only be experienced through a relationship with you when we're right and we have been forgiven. God, draw our hearts to you. Pull us close. Give us strength. I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.